Welcome back to another episode of Cinema Club, everyone. I'm Jared. And I'm Erica. And we have a pretty damn good episode this week. If I were to say, instead of asking how you are, because I've personally been feeling overwhelmed by being asked how I am, and I want to like try and change that up. So I was going to ask you, what's, uh, what's one of your favorite memes you've seen this week? Uh-oh. What's your favorite internet meme? You know? Okay, so it's not as much as a meme. I'm really enjoying people dancing to the WAP video, just like in unconventional spaces and places. Um, Yesterday I saw a TikTok of someone dancing to WAP. I I think, and what I will assume, but I'm probably wrong, at like Niagara Falls, this person is wearing like a yellow poncho um, and surrounded by like children and other adults wearing yellow ponchos and like carries on and just like straight up gets on the floor and is just like humping the floor and it brings me joy in in what I would call a dark place and dark time that we are currently living in. What about you? Mm. Yeah, WAP has really been honestly I mean if there were to be gems during uh, this quarantine pandemic uh, which there are not many of uh, WAP is definitely up there for me. Yeah, you actually reminded me of a meme that I saw earlier this week or last week. And instead of wet-ass pussies, it was wet-ass pupusas. And it was just videos of pupusas being layered in salsa and just deliciousness. It was it was funny. It was fresh. It was original. It was also very sad because it kind of reminded me of one of my favorite restaurants down in the Mission, Panchita's, that has some of the best pupusas. And yeah, that was one of my memes I liked. Otherwise, you know, I'm sure Gosh. our weeks have been a little more complicated, reflecting on the most recent examples of police brutality and uh, systemic racism that continues on in our country. Just to give a timestamp of like where we are emotionally and mentally for our listeners <laughs> and not just like carrying on being like, everything is great. Um, it's not great but we're finding ways to be better. Yeah, it is. Obviously, every week has been really tough, and this week in particular. I mean, for me, it's a lot of things, but I feel especially hearing other people's comments about the incidents and hearing and seeing news headlines and just a lot of hate, seeing and reading a lot of hate, which... Uh, is really fucking sickening. But one of my ways of trying to cope and heal and try to get better is to talk about film and talk about black film uh, and TV as well. For me, that's what I love about this podcast is being able to come on here and talk about some movies and TV that I love. So one of the really great films that Jared and I watched this week is Queen and Slim, uh, which is a film from last year, I believe was released last year. Jared also watched it last year. I, for some reason, did not make it to a movie theater to watch this film. But basically, the film is directed by Melina Matsuokas and follows a young woman and man in the midst of their first Tinder date with each other, kind of falling into not so great predicament kind of similar to the lovebirds but a little bit more heavy on the drama and darker side uh, where they're involved in 
the murder of a white police officer and continue the rest of the movie and on a run for their lives, kind of evading the police. So upon reading really interesting reviews of this film, there is a really good take that someone had mentioned that this isn't, although this is often referred to as the Black Bonnie and Clyde, it isn't a crime film. And uh, I read a really great review that basically highlighted this, that this in fact is not a crime film and is first and foremost a romance film, then a road trip film, which I completely agree with. I think the crime aspect and like the darker aspect of this film is really just an agent to propel the beginning of this story or, or just like an underlying propeller of this story. But I fucking love this film, but I started watching this two nights ago uh, after I watched Lovecraft Country, and I started watching it pretty late in the evening, and then I texted Jared. I was like, hey, we should watch this for the, the episode, and Jared was like, of course, I love that film. Um, and I f- was getting really tired, so I turned it off, and then I put it back on the following morning, right before I started work from home, um, and I was literally just, like, sobbing on the couch. I was just straight up sobbing, and then I had to ice the under of my eyes so I could hop on a Zoom call and not look like a blowfish. Or that is that what they're called? Pufferfish? What are puffer they fish. It's a pufferfish. Yeah. Pufferfish. Yes. So I was talking to someone previously today, and she was giving me her feedback and what she had thought about the film. And she said that she felt the dialogue in this film was really flat, which I agree that it is. It's not to a lack of talent in these actors because they're amazing. I think it's just more in the delivery. And, you know, I I don't mind it. If you watch just like the first 45 minutes of these this film, you will probably notice that our main characters, Queen and Slim, are basically like insufferable to each other. They cannot stop arguing almost the entire film. They disagree on everything. They disagree on what they like to do on dates. They disagree on they disagree on the size of a musician and whether or not they liked this musician through the skinnier or their fat phase of physical life. The flatness or like I find is just really nice for all of this disagreement. Otherwise, I think it would have seemed like a really heated argument because there's so much disagreement. I think otherwise it would have I would have felt very different towards these characters if if they were sounding as if they were having having a more heated argument. I feel like I would have assumed that this was going to be a really toxic road trip and felt really bad and probably would have less compassion for the two of them. Aside from that, you know, I thought it was just so beautiful. Jared and I will get into this later, but the soundtrack is just like amazing. Uh, what did you think, Jared? Yeah, I saw this movie last year in the theater uh, a couple times, actually. And both times I cried, a uh, second time more. And this movie, this movie for me was something that kind of just captured me in the first frame, even in the first scene. You know, I don't know if you've had those movies where you sit down, you get your popcorn, you get your soda. This was back when you used to be able to sit in movie theaters. And it opened up for me. The simplicity of it, the sharpness of it. And actually, I, I want to say I disagree about the dialogue of it, but... I felt in that first conversation, their dialogue was very accurate in terms of going on a first Tinder date. If you're you're unsure, you're like kind of poking the water, you're trying to like figure out, you know, what to say, what not to say. And you are right too about their disagreement. In fact, they were kind of constructed in that way where Slim was meant to represent Martin Luther King Jr. and being very religious and being very much of a family man and sort of wanting to take the righteous path 
and Queen was meant to represent Malcolm X, who's, you know, more individualistic and more focused on the, the community as whole. Um, and so, you know, they, they begin at polar opposites. And then by the end of the film, they sort of transition and switch where they're standing on other sides, but more unified and together. That entire journey, that entire sort of contrast and conflict between them was very intentional in terms of trying to be on different ends of uh, this conversation. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I would like to start first with just the look of the film. Obviously, this director directed Lemonade, and that obviously shows in here. I mean, every frame, every scene is just like so rich and I don't know, you can like just like feel it you know you can feel it in almost like an emotional way you know there's there's more to it than just trying to see what you're seeing on screen there's like something being said with the lighting and the color choices and all of it the other thing too that i learned about this movie watching it you know the third time was that we don't ever know their names um for the entire film until the very end. And that was also intentional, where just like any of these other uh, murders that happen, uh, you know, these they're people that we don't know their names until they've been killed by police. And so, you know, it isn't until the end of the film when they've been shot and murdered that we actually get to know their names. And we get to know more information about them than we did before. And so that all those things really, to me, showed a real understanding and a real mastery of the story and was kind of a thing that you that showed how much you can do with film. And to me, this movie does so much and I love it very much. But talking about the score, because the ending as well has Moses Sumney and I cried. I don't know if well, and you also said you cried, Erica. Oh yeah, I was sobbing. That I love Moses Sumney's voice. It's almost like mistake Moses Sumney's voice, like, often for, like, Nina Simone. Mm. You know, they both have these, like, very earthy, rich, raspier tones. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, to me, all the elements of the film, you know, from the visual, from the music, from the story itself, you know, there's there's such a connectedness to all of it. I don't know, this movie's just, like, just so well understood, you know? I feel like a lot of times there's movies that want to say a lot and have, you know, these big, broad strokes they want to do, and this movie has that, you know? This movie, in, this movie has, like, huge issues and huge themes and content that it wants to explore but everything services it in the right way you know everything is working towards sending this message and yeah i just it's it's like portrait of a lady on fire where like so much of that movie is like just seared into my brain you know um or like you tell me a scene or i think of a scene and like i can just see it and i can hear it and i can feel it and yeah, I was, I was really excited when you brought this up because I hadn't really thought of it in a while. And, you know, I, I, I have it on Blu-ray and, you know, I, like, watched some of the special credits and some of the bonus features and all that when I first got it. But revisiting it, you know, a couple nights ago and just sort of listening to them talk about the film and talk about this story. I think the weird thing about this is I 
forgotten about this movie possibly because I I remember maybe when you when you had initially seen it I feel like you came back with like really great feedback but I feel like the overall uh criticism that this film received was negative wasn't it I I don't know I feel like a lot of people didn't like it and I don't know if it is for that same reason of it's too slow or the dialogue is dry or it's unrealistic you you know like I I don't know like I also didn't read too much about negative criticism have you read in into that at all I I have I've I've read a bit of the negative critiques and takes on it both from white critics and black critics you know the, there there are those criticisms of it you know that it's slow or that you know it's like a little unrealistic um, and uh, other other criticisms of it being, you know, it's it's a film that does show, you know, black trauma and pain and sort of the, the complicated nature of having films like that and exhibiting films with that kind of content, you know, which I which I think are very fair and valid points um, and is is a very delicate. It's very delicate to try and navigate that uh, environment. In the film, I, I feel personally this film, you know, tackles it very well and handles those things very well. I think my only qualm with this is that it, with this, you know, fantastic, like absolutely fantastic film, I was just like texting someone and I was just saying how this might be one of my favorite films of the year, considering um, even considering that it was a film from last year. But anyways, throughout the entire film, we see Queen and Slim being protected by by their kin, right? Like, they're finding these safe havens um, within Black communities, whether that is reluctantly or not, right? Whether that is Queen's um, uncle or this bar um, or the auto repair shop, uh, they kind of find hope in being backed, you know, emotionally by people who believe in them in some way um, or another. And I think that's amazing, and I think that's beautiful, and I think that is a testament to to say how precious, you know, I mean, this is something we all fucking know, you know, you and I and people listening. I think it just shows how precious Black lives are and how they do need to be protected, and sometimes the only people willing to protect them are other Black people who are just as easily on the, on the line that will have their lives on the line, you know? But I don't think I liked the end, I understand why it happened and it made sense, but it also, this journey of them being protected, them being believed in, them having these followers, this support, only for them to, you know, meet their unfortunate demise, felt a little bit like they've suddenly become martyrs, right? And when I think of a martyr, I think of someone who's killed for something that they believe in or something um, that they think or do, you know? And it's just like... I don't consider these people as martyrs. Like they're not dying willing. They're not die. They're definitely not dying willingly, and they're de- not. They're not dying because they are believing in something that like is radical or like you know. Th- like they're just living. They're just like trying to live their fucking lives. Like I don't know. I just felt like I understand that it ended. It had to end this way, but I I don't think I think about all the things that are happening around us now, and I don't want to consider these people as martyrs because they were innocent lives or people that just like absolutely didn't deserve to fucking be killed by the hands of like anyone, let alone white cops. Right. Like the film makes a huge fucking point about that where like it's the, the showdown of queen and slam and like 
literally a sea of white policemen and women um, hiding behind their, like, huge firearms and behind their vehicles. And it's just, I don't know. No, I mean, that totally makes sense. You know, it, it, and like you said, you know, this film and all of its pieces were very intentional. This was Queen and Slim's story, but it's more so our story and the Black experience in America and, you know, it's it's so many other stories. And like I said before, you know, we don't know Queen and Slim's actual name until the very end. And it, and it was, and it's kind of getting to that point, right, where they become legends, you know, uh, like so many other people. Legacies. Who, yeah. Legacies. Uh, you know, we don't know. We didn't know who Brianna Taylor was until we knew her name. And it's like all of these stories, right? And it is this repeating of the same thing. And I don't know. I guess I'm just saying, like, being black and being alive is definitely not, it's absolutely not a fucking reason for anyone to give you shit about anything, let alone kill you. And this film isn't unrelated to that. You know, people were still being killed at the hands of the authorities a year ago, you know, and decades and decades and decades ago, too. So I guess this will always be a timely film as long as um, systemic racism is alive and well in this country, I suppose. I'm really happy and glad that you chose this movie. It is streaming now on HBO. For those who want to get a watch or get a rewatch, if you have seen it already, uh, I recommend going to watch it again because it's just as good, if not better, the second time. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to watch it a second time. Um, Yeah, definitely everyone should stream it on HBO, whether it's yours or um, your HBO landlords, right? So. Yes. uh, Yeah, shout out to Samay, my HBO (laughs) landlord. I know I do owe you your monies in a few days so don't worry that'll get to HBO you HBO rent speaking of being on this HBO kick uh Jared and I found something new to watch right do you want to tell us a little bit about that oh we got we got something new to watch and this is uh we first uh, I don't even uh I was just gonna start talking about Jonathan Majors first but I'm like oh <laughs> you don't even know where to oh, start he's so beautiful <laughs> But I should. I won't start there. Yeah, we have a brand new show, Lovecraft Country. It's on HBO, and it is crazy. It's wild. It's strange. It's sci-fi question mark. It's fantasy question mark. It's so many things. I have a lot of questions. We've only seen two episodes so far up to this point of recording this episode, and I don't know if we have any more answers than we do from when we started, which is fine because this show to me so far has a lot of promise. So just to kind of recap a little bit, I don't know any of the characters' names, so I'm going to have to stop talking so I can look up their names. Is Tick, Tick Letta? Uncle, uh, Uncle George. Uncle George. Uh, I don't know what the dad's name is. There's I don't Hi- know the dad's name. Hippolyta. Oh, uh, Atticus? No. Hold on. Actually, it's really funny because I have it pulled up in Wikipedia right in front of me. <laughs> um, Letitia, or Letty, sorry, not Letta. Uh, tick. Att- Atticus is Tick. Uh, okay. It's the same uh, person. Okay. Jonathan Majors. Um, Hippolyta. Hippolyta? 
Um, George Freeman, Uncle George. Okay, I just need their names. Le- Wait, what's the girl's name? Le- Letty. Letty, okay. And then the dad is Montrose. Montrose, okay. So we follow Tick Atticus, uh, played by the beautiful, the perfect Jonathan Majors. Chef Kiss, Chef Kiss, Chef Kiss. And he's looking for his dad. He hasn't talked to his dad in five years, but he got a letter in the mail. This TV show takes place um, in the 50s, 50s, 60s, just right after the Korean War. And he goes back up north to start looking for his dad. And he gets the help of Uncle George, who is a sweetheart. Uh, and also Letty, who is an old past sort of romance interest. And they go looking for his dad. And a lot of stuff ensues. Spooky monsters. <laughs> so much stuff. Racist cops. Magical wizards. The Bible, question mark. This show, like, throws the kitchen sink and then some, honestly. And, like, at this point, like, I'm here for it, you know? It's so wild. It's so off the walls. It, it I don't know if you ever watched Westworld. I watched the first season, and it was kind of like that, where it's, like, they throw so many things at you, and it's, like, oh, like, we're, we're just, like, knee-deep in craziness. I J.J. Abrams is attached as a producer, uh, which is, in my opinion, slightly worrying, because we know how J.J. Abrams' projects end and they end not great i.e star wars lost super eight need i say more wait i like super eight i (sighs) wait hold on maybe i don't i sometimes i get like a lot of those like dark like kid movies mixed up Mm -hmm. so i'm thinking of like the end of super eight but i'm actually thinking of the end of super dark times instead Mm. never mind I'm frankly, I'm just intrigued by this show. You know, I, I want to know more. It's based off a novel, and it's heavily influenced by H.P. Lovecraft lore. Um, interestingly enough, because as we know, Lovecraft is a flippant, firing racist. Um, if you don't know, uh, look it up, because I'm not going to tell you. And yeah, it's it's really interesting, you know, kind of putting all these elements together, both the realistic and the fantastical and i'm curious erica what what is the first question you want answered so this is a loaded question i know no okay i mean yes it is um i'm sure as you know jared i am someone who is the type of person to spoil things for themselves right um, my first question is, is the house actually destroyed? Because when we watch trailers for this show and like, you know, and the sneak peeks of the next episode, um, our main characters are like snooping around a big mansion and some more. They're looking at water fountains. They're looking at all these other things, which make me think that perhaps the house didn't collapse onto itself. Um, and that is not the end of these, uh, this weird white clan no that's not the right word cult this weird yeah perhaps this isn't the end of this uh white cult that we're gonna see um yeah i feel like we're gonna continue seeing them uh i just want to know why how what is real what is not i don't even know anymore (laughs) 
Is God real? Everything is cake. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, I think those are my only questions. I mean, those are, no, those, what am I saying? That is a huge lie. Those are not my only questions. Um, I completely forgot. I Maybe I'm just, like, bad at, like, knowing that things are supernatural and, like, have things to do about monsters. I don't know. I think, I definitely think this series is something to keep viewers on their toes. And I also think that this is, I mean, like, I hate to get ahead of myself here, but I really do think that this is going to be one of the new, oh my god, my ears so itchy. I think this is going to be one of those new, um, like, almost Game of Thrones level. Mm. Is that, like, is that mm. something bad to assume? I just feel like it's getting a lot of good publicity right now, and a lot of people are liking it, and honestly, I think this is, like, something that people want to see. They want to see a a black-centered cast that isn't mainly focused on being black all the time. Like, all the things that happen to them aren't necessarily happening because they're black. And, you know, aside from, like, all the racist things that they have to deal with, but I mean, like, I think this is, like, a nice um, breather back into a regular series of television that isn't entirely super dark and you know crime related i feel like a lot of hbo series are kind of a lot about true crime lately and i feel like this is not that and i i can definitely see this catching on pretty well i yeah i also just want to say like hbo this year has really been doing it and also for us just as and we're going to talk about it later i may destroy you you know is just kind of coinciding right with the end of that. Now, you know, we just finished I May Destroy You. We're kind of rolling into this. We got nice... And and, it, and it's a good... It's, I don't want to say it's like a good transition, but it's, you know, it's an interesting shift. Because uh, we were dealing a lot with, like, the half-hour comedy. You know, before I May Destroy You, it was Insecure, uh, which, which I would consider Insecure and I May Destroy You very different kind of comedies. Um, almost counter-programming one another in an interesting way but yeah hbo is really really doing it for me this year yeah i don't know who's who's sitting at the tables now but i'm really happy about a lot of these black centered stories that we're seeing and i feel like it's they're fucking good they're not just like oh give (laughs) they're not just like give the black people what they want to see like you know it's like these are good fucking stories these are like the best stories (laughs) of this year yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm very happy to be seeing it. I also just want to say, uh, well, spoilers alert, spoiling, spoiler alert uh, for those who haven't been caught up on Lovecraft. Uh, we've seen the first two episodes. So if you haven't, stop listening because we're going to spoil some stuff. I'm really sad about George, Uncle George. I thought. This was going to be like an entire season where like they're looking for his dad and then they found his dad. And then I was like, okay, cool. They found his dad, but like his dad's either going to like be kidnapped again or is going to like run away with like a secret or something was going to happen. But no, he was there. And then Uncle George dies. And mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to say I'm like totally bummed out, but I'm kind of bummed out that like he's gone now. 
I I feel that for you, and I'm also bummed out. But I and I know I'm going to sound like an absolute fool when you revisit this next week. But I really don't think he's dead because I don't think any of that actually happened. I don't think the house collapsed. I but I don't think they're done. But see, I feel no, like this but, is like. But that had nothing to do with the house collapsing, though. That had everything to do with like getting shot. See, if he died in the house collapsing, I'd be with you on it. But he didn't die. Right, the but the house collapsed because. Because Tick followed through with that ritual, right? And one of the contingencies of his uncle getting better was him following through with that ritual. And I feel like he did do that. And this is going to... I don't know. Like, I don't feel like his uncle is dead yet or is dead. I feel like... I hope you're right. I'm going to sound so stupid next week when, like, I'm absolutely wrong. (laughs) I'm I'm excited for this show. You know, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just... I'm having fun tuning in every week and... Can't wait to see more. I hope Jonathan Majors takes his shirt off again. That's my that's my review. You know, you know he will. They have to make they're making money off of that. I mean, yeah, they I buy a new subscription every time he does, so they they definitely are tracking that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really excited too, uh, to see where this goes. And speaking and? of um alternate worlds universes what's real what's not i think this is a great segue to talk about one of the best season finales i've seen maybe it's just because i'm a huge stan of the show i may destroy you just aired its season finale this past monday i think everything is on a sunday but it's actually on a monday and wow 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 i was rapid fire texting jared during the entire thing and i was just afterwards i was just texting him and i was like freaking out and then I calmed down. And then I just remember texting you and I was like, I bet you can tell. I bet when you go and watch this episode, you will know exactly what's happening based on like the cadence of my texts to you. Um, but yeah, that was powerful. What did you think? I loved it. I mean, it, you know, it was one of those things where like it brought everything in the season together. And I, I at first I would say... If you love the show and you want to hear more and other critiques on it and takes on it, there are a lot of really great articles out there as well that you can read um, the supplemental pieces as well as listening to this podcast, of course. That yeah, that really explore you know how Michaela Cole really just mastered and like knocked this season out. I mean, in terms of just having perfectly well rounded writing and story and character and structure and following through with like promises that she was making in this like story uh, all the way to the end this show just does all the right and with the ending of this you know and this final narrative or this final message of taking control and claiming your story and creating your narrative you know this this just felt powerful and important and necessary frankly necessary content and work to be going out i don't know if i've said it on this podcast before but like this is this is a piece of art in the simple fact that it you know does it doesn't tell you how to feel it doesn't hand feed you answers and give you just give you things it makes you work for it and it asks you questions and it makes you scared while comforting you it makes you question things while also reassures you that show does what good art does and it 
ask you questions rather than giving you answers in the best way. And I don't know, I just, it just like amazes me that like all this comes from like this, like such powerful and authentic place. Yeah. And I think I I completely agree with that idea of that. This isn't hand feeding you. I think it, it does constantly make you ask yourself questions. Like I think it, it's such a accurate portrayal of the way humans act and interact with one another. It, it makes you think, why do you like this character? Why are you considering this character to be your protagonist? Is it because she does, she or he does this? Is it because you think suddenly that they're a good person because they've done this or because they're acting towards this person or the situation in a certain way? Because suddenly this person is acting completely different and is doing, uh, is being completely counterintuitive to what you thought earlier was good and it it just makes you think the people aren't just like this typecasted good or bad character that follows that does one thing good and continues to only improve and be better like there are huge fallbacks that people take you know we think we're going on the right path towards something and then we you know we utterly fuck up and then we try to pick ourselves back up together and then you know, it's just like a whole fucking vicious cycle. And I think this series portrays that really well. It creates a really healthy balance between uh, the characters of the series and the audience. I feel like you don't get too uh, obsessed and head over heels because you, you are just so enamored with a certain character because you witness their faults and it makes you like them less. And I think that's a fucking good thing, you know? Yeah, I mean it's it's humanizing, you know. It doesn't it doesn't push into that sort of space in the way, and and I don't mean this in any bad way of like insecure, you know. I feel like Insecure's last season, like honestly, really drove us into being on Issa's side more so than any other character. And I may destroy you. I feel almost like does quite the opposite where it presents us with these dynamic diverse characters with real with just realness around them in every way it's just it's such a fresh original amazing you know show that like i i I can't think of other any other show that like has tackled and accomplished so much in 12 episodes yeah oh so good and also speaking of just like great music once again I am just like keeping up with the Spotify playlist that is just I may destroy you soundtrack and like more songs just keep getting added to it every week. Everything about this show I feel like is just so eye-opening and I know this is just like so weird and like personal to say but just like I feel like the show is just so eye-opening in terms of and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way of like reevaluating your personal traumas and where those are coming from and how you're dealing with them. And do you think you're always right with how you're dealing with them? You know, like your therapist says one thing, you agree, but are you, but do you actually believe that? Or, you you know, I don't know. I I personally just feel like it makes you reevaluate your process in the wake of something terrible happening to you. I think that's where I think that was what I was gonna say. I'm gonna listen back at this, and it's just gonna sound like I have like a wine headache and talking because that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> because you have a wine headache when you're talking. Yeah. I can't wait for another season. It's gonna oh be so great. Uh, and it's gonna be like this summer. That means we're gonna have Insecure, and then I May Destroy You, and then Lovecraft. And I'm just like, can we make this like every summer for the 2020 decade, please? 
I think after this shitstorm of a year, I think we need it. <laughs> yeah. Need yeah. It. Me too. What else? What else is there? What else, like what? What? Else I have nothing else going for me. <laughs> what? Else? <laughs> I I don't either. It's it's a black <laughs> hole after this. Um. But what other what other movies shows? What other things are there to be excited about? I'm excited this you know this week. I'm excited about just something kind of basic. Um, every week or so I've been grocery shopping and then spending like you know I'm I'm not like bawling out every time I go grocery shopping but I shop at a specific grocery store and I like spend too much money and I come back and I put all the shit into the fridge and it's like what maybe one shelf full and it's been like utterly like disappointing it's just been like wrecking me every time I come home and yesterday I went grocery shopping and I came back and I actually spent less because I went to Trader Joe's um and now I have like a lot of groceries and I feel really happy about that so I'm really excited to cook more meals at home this week and this week um I'm excited about hanging out with my cat he was kind of like not feeling so great a couple weeks ago and he's been like recovering because it's been so hot and now he's, like, finally feeling good. Like, he'll let me cuddle with him, like, when we go to bed. So I'm really excited to uh, eat a lot of food and then pass out on the couch with my cat watching more movies. Damn. That sounds really nice. What about you? I think I'm going to go to the beach, but not just any beach. A beach that is not Ocean Beach or Baker Beach. Not a Stinson local beach? beach, question mark. Um, yeah, a beach out of the city. Stinson. I think yeah, I think so. I'm just gonna drive to the coast yeah. in an hour, and just go to a beach that doesn't have a lot of people, and just kind of sit there. Um, I'm not gonna swim, won't tan. I'm just gonna sit there, you know. Um, it's been a very heavy and long week, and just being away on a beach sounds really nice. I actually am also. I just got ordered some camping gear because uh, I don't have any camping gear. Uh, that is mine, so I'm gonna get that, and then I'm gonna try and plan like some little like camping weekends in like the next month or so. Once I get that stuff, I'm excited for you. It's gonna be really cool. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to give our listeners an update uh, next week on your camping endeavors. I can't wait to hear about them. And also, yeah, I can't wait to hear um, your review of the beach because now that it's getting a little cooler and not like, you know, s- like sweltering outside, um, I'm sure it's going to be really nice. It makes me Yeah, I'm go. hoping there won't be people. I I did a walk by of China Beach uh, a couple, a few days ago when it was very, very hot. And it looked, I mean, it, it looked like a packed summer day at the beach and it was mm-hmm. horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying. And so... Yeah, I'm looking forward to less people. Really can't wait to be around less people. Well, we can't wait to talk to you again. And by you, I mean our listeners that I apologize for being so one-sided in this conversation. But can't wait to come back again next week with Cinema Club. Thanks again for listening. Uh, If you want to follow us on Instagram or Twitter... Our handles are at Cinema Club. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and stay tuned because we'll be bringing you the goods. Yeah, that's all. Thanks for listening. Bye.